0: This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to independent film. Inside, you'll find tools, tips, and tricks vetted by industry professionals, independent films that will inspire your creativity, filmmaking events where you can rub elbows with filmmakers just like you, and so much more. The best part of it all, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe, and within a few clicks, you'll be part of our newsletter community. Again, that's www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, a free bi-weekly newsletter from Chris and Nick at Bonsai Creative. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Banzai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my good friend and co-founder with me, Nicholas Bugs, and our amazing and esteemed special guest, Todd Bogan. Nick, Todd, say hello.
1: Hello. (laughs) He's (laughs) got to figure out who's going to go first, right? I was like... (laughs) Hey, let Todd go <laughs> I'm the guest I shouldn't yeah. cut you off I'm sorry <laughs> no no I was waiting I you didn't cut me off because this happened the last time you know like Kristen, he, I think this is like a test you know it's like a game that we got uh, going on I was like who's gonna say yeah you know hello first so I gave that one to you man like <laughs> thank you I appreciate it and you yeah, continue to fail
0: the test Nick <laughs> yeah, because here's because here's the thing I am saying your name first I know you are it is implied you are, that you start
1: I am a gentleman so, you know, it is just in my nature to defer to others. So I had to do it. that is true about you. You're the
0: kind of guy, if I say my name is Chris Barkley, you'll call me Barkley. Chris, you'll just switch. You'll just, <laughs> just switch. You'll just switch it up on me because you, <laughs> you, you want to you want to be polite to the first. Yeah, name. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yo, speaking of names, by the way, Uh oh. speaking of names, and, and I'd love Todd, if you if you jumped in on this. A, a little bit, if, if you'd like, I was talking today about the power of names and I mm. realized that I had created three or four or five like alter egos for myself. And I really didn't think about why I had done that, except for the fact that I'm protecting my real self and my real self is insecure and afraid and even though I'm six foot three, 240 pounds right now, when I grew up, I was five foot five, a hundred something pounds. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was when pushed you were around seven. a lot. No, in ninth grade, I was really <laughs> five foot five. I like, I got so lucky. I, I like grew so much, but by the time you're 14 or 15 or 16 years old, a lot of who you are is already baked in. So I'm this big guy that grew up having to defend and protect myself all the time. And so I was thinking about the fact that like, okay, this is what pseudonyms are about. Like when I go and sing, I like to be Chris Dante. Like when I was like musicianship, when I'm on here with you and we do stuff in film, we always call ourselves Bonsai, Chris and Nick. Like you actually have done this too. And like Bonsai, Chris and Bonsai, Nick, can do things that Nick Bugs and Chris Barkley can't do. They have other superpowers. When I play basketball, I have this moniker. It sounds ridiculous, but I call myself El Caballo Obs- Obscuro. <laughs> and sometimes I'll say El Caballo Negro, which is the, <laughs> the mask, black bro.
1: horse or the dark horse. You wear a mask, bro. You got a little. I a wish thing I could. I wish I could wear a Zorro mask.
0: I wish I could wear a Zorro mask. I, I would totally. And do it you know it's like well that person can do stuff on the basketball court that chris can't do because chris is a dad and chris is a is a is a, a son and a, a brother and you know like a friend he's a businessman he's you know a filmmaker but on the basketball court i can be a killer you see what i mean like i don't have to be that i can talk shit i can i can get in a fist fight that because that's not me then I was thinking about all the other people who do it, like Eminem or how Michael Jordan took everything personally on purpose so he could be on death ground. I don't know. What Do you guys do this? Or am I aligned am yeah. of this?
2: No, I think, I think sometimes it's like a creative thing to essentially give the insecurities in you like a free pass to go for it. Creativity is on the basketball court, too, in my opinion, because I oh, think okay. yeah. if, if you're being Chris Barkley and you're like, I can't make this jump shot, let's say. You know, you're the dark horse and you come in and you let go of that fear, possibly that's in you because it's, you know, it's not, it's not you, it's your superhero self. And I think that happens. I think that's some reason why some people are very attracted to acting even and creating Mm. characters through film because they're able to express some of their insecurities through another name or through another situation, possibly. I feel like I could change my name and I still couldn't hit a jump shot, but I tried. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you do yeah, make a but, good point. Yeah. It's like Chris would miss that jump shot and, and you know, ECO would, would, would hit it. ECO. You know, but, but yeah, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but go no, ahead, Nick. I'm no, sorry. I, no, I so yeah, no, no.
1: So, so for me, I was going to say that it's a little bit difficult to come up with pseudonyms. Cause you know, for me, I'm so tied to my name. Right. And I think I've yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. this on this podcast before because you know, my name is Nicholas, which means victory of the people. So for me, I believe it in my heart that that's what I'm supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's, you know, so I I coach, you know, youth uh, soccer teams and every one of my teams is called victory, right? It's this kind of part of who I am. So that kind of cascades into everything. Yeah. Bonsai Nick might be a thing, but it's still Nick, right? It's still. Do do you still have Apollo as a thing? in some circles i have that as a thing it, it, it hangs did it i hangs did
0: I, did i say th- what what wasn't to be said <laughs>
1: yeah no it's <laughs> but it's yeah it's one of those things, and i'll just say for for todd you know because he's like what the heck are you talking about yeah that was a, a i guess you could call it a nickname at the time but mm-hmm. for you know when i pledged a fraternity back in the days then yeah that is what i had on my on my jacket you know so it was apollo because again, you know Apollo as a, as a god, you know I mean he was just like of all things beautiful and romantic and artistic and you yeah. know uh, when I can if I consider myself at all a Renaissance man then that would have been one of the Greek gods that you know I would have admired so yeah Apollo once upon a dream
2: and what's it's interesting name, how Nick? you connect with those oh so yeah. No, no,
0: you're good. Uh, my middle name is Adonis, by the way. So God, oh, god of a love. One. But here's yeah. the thing, Todd, because I'm going to let I jumped on you. I'm going to let you go. No, I just want to say I just want to say this. You got so lucky with that, Nick, because you know, victory of the people, Nicholas, Apollo's this Greek god. My name means Christ, but when you say that to people, they really want to punch your face.
1: Yes, but <laughs> but when you tell people how you got the name, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm named after
0: Christopher Reeve.
2: Is it Reeve or Reeves?
0: Christopher Reeves, Reeves, Superman. Superman. And people don't know this unless you're of a certain age or or a certain level of research you might have done on him for whatever reason. But before he was Superman, he was in he was in
1: soaps. And my mom thought he was sexy in soaps or Dial. Is that (laughs) what you mean by the soaps? I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> the, the,
0: the soap opera is the hardest working actors in industry there you go so i know no offense no no offense to anybody but i mean the what they have to do and todd maybe i, I mean you, you get this right like what they have to do every single day to shoot a soap the the number of scripts they get
2: and they're just like pumping these oh, things out it's amazing that they pump them out i mean i i'm a, i also i respect whoever writes those shows too i mean that can't be easy as well <laughs> it's like <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know it's kind of like i
0: wonder if they do what disney does and just recycle the scripts over and over just with Absolutely. new characters and new context because there's yeah. no way they're coming up with this many storylines uh, selling the, the other original. soaps
2: just sell them to the other soaps
1: <laughs> we can't yeah. use this take it
2: <laughs> yeah and i don't fully believe ai is going to take over like movies i think it's a good assistant tool but if there was something to take over ai i, I fear it could be uh some of the soap stuff because i i do think yeah. they regurgitate some of it but they have if to. i had to write an hour of tv a day i'd do the same <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly, <laughs> it,
0: exactly. there's there's got to be like a black market like a dark a dark market <laughs> exchange where they the soaps exchange your scripts nick like you were saying maybe that's what happens but listen all that aside, and we can talk more about this later, some deep psychology in there. Obviously, I need to talk to a psychotherapist. But before we get too far, <laughs> let's introduce the audience to our esteemed guest, Todd Bogan. Todd, tell everybody who you are, title, uh, recent projects, what you're up to now.
2: Yeah, I, w- I wish I had a cool alter ego name to tell everyone right now. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, my name's Todd Bogan. I'm um, born in Chicago, I've lived in New York for a good portion of my life. I uh, just released my debut feature that I uh, wrote and directed and like fundraised for and s- sold to uh, our wonderful sales agent, um, The Coven, released in May in the US on Tubi, watch it now, and coming out internationally, a bunch of territories, including like Germany, UK, and some more coming out uh, this fall. And uh, I have a bunch of shorts maybe someone saw it out there i don't know if they saw any of my shorts Uh, i saw a bunch that i hope people didn't see and i have one or two that i hope they saw maybe parts of and then um you know
0: (laughs) well i tell you what man you 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 have a lot to be proud of and we're definitely going to talk about your feature film hidden exposure i mean your cast is unbelievable yeah beyond liberato richard kind just to name a few rumor Mm -hmm. willis but your short film modulation nowhere I found out was playing on movie, yeah. and and and, if, and to give people a sense of what movie is, it's the high end Tubi in a lot of ways. It, <laughs> it's taking the other market approach. Not to say that the movies on movie are better than the ones on Tubi. I'm simply saying that their market approach, since we are marketers mm-hmm. and producers, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I noticed that they're taking a different tact. They're going like the, cinemaphile tact almost like a we see with Letterboxd, for example, where they're just for people who are obsessed with films and metacritics for a different type of viewer. Right. I think Tubi's saying, let's take a, a broad net, let's get everybody, let's get everybody to watch. And then, and then that works for their model. Cause it's an ad based model. Right. So, but to, I saw your film on there. I was like, Holy moly, they curate the crap out of their movie. So if Todd's short made it there, <laughs> then then it's 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 got to be great and then sure enough you know you you look at it it's shot it's well it's it's beautifully done 8.4 rating on on imdb which we we might get into ratings and how those are manipulated across industry a little (laughs) bit here but congratulations on that you i guess my first question is oh of course you said you had some shorts you hope people don't get to see and you have some like modulation nowhere that you hope people do get to see what goes wrong or what is the delineation point for you on set or in the pre-production process that leads one short down the path of being not so great and one towards the path of being distributed
2: like like modulation nowhere was yeah that's a really interesting question because i think it works with everything with screenwriting i mean how many screenwriters out there have a, a script that they thought was great and then uh, it's in their drawer still, you know, on their theoretical FDX cloud. <laughs> I, I still don't quite know. Like a lot of it is like a feeling, right? Like, okay, I'm proud of this. This worked with me. I didn't go to film school. So I, I, I started like as a production assistant. And so my first shorts was like my film school. It was like taking out friends or equipment from the companies I was working with that would were nice enough to loan it to me. And just, I, you know, you're shooting your first few. I didn't go to film school. I've watched movies my whole life. I read every single book. But when you're on set, and at that point you're not working with very experienced cinematographers. So you're on set and everyone's figuring out what's going on. Um, what kind of shot are we doing here? So you get back into the editing room and you're just like poorly lit, <laughs> completely wrong <laughs> shot, didn't get the reactions, did, didn't get any insert shots so the editor yep. can hide some of this stuff. And a lot of it with me was style. I knew in my, my mind... Uh, a certain style that comes out of me when I hit like what I think is the best I-, I can do to this point. I feel like I'm only getting better creatively, and I can't quite explain it, but I know when I see it. Um, so a lot of my early shorts was incredibly emulating my influences, which is amazing because without those, I would have never considered making film. So a lot of it has to do with that. A lot of it has to do with stuff as simple as like the audio is really bad <laughs> in this movie. Uh, we shot this on like an old. Uh, Canon and we color graded it poorly and lit it poorly. I just like, I can't, you, you can only make so many excuses right you can't go watch this but the sound's bad put on subtitles <laughs> i swear it's good right. so you know a lot of that's that
0: i've not heard that before that's pretty good
2: <laughs> i i've I been like there that. i, I was the there not that, when i was making though that's what i was doing <laughs> that's a great way to
0: cover up for bad sound though i love oh that. yeah oh yeah Hey, watch <laughs> it but, uh it's it's uh it's it's mos it's charlie Chapman, it's M-O-S. So turn, the, turn on the subtitles that's great
2: we're just gonna play a song that you know sometimes you listen to a short and there's like a, a rolling stone song whatever would be like a million bucks to license i'm just like yeah. hope that doesn't go too far in the festivals yeah, right. um, no, but um, <laughs> producer at least write that down we're going to use that as an <laughs> excuse later you can bleep that out yeah <laughs> so with me i spent so i started i was pa and i was on all kinds of sets i had so many people who were so nice to me um like directors who just i mean i was talking to one of my buddies today an actor friend of mine who was in uh, the guy who played uh, jimmy alvarez who played the barista in um uh hidden exposure yep. he's on um, a bunch of stuff one of my my best buddies, he w- we were talking a little bit about that. And it's just funny that that came up, like starting and learning on set and talking to directors, talking to producers, when I'm a PA, what are you doing? Many times I'm like, I can't be people to yell at me. I should have been getting coffee. And I'm sitting there asking the director why he used a 50 millimeter lens on a, like a, a diamond necklace commercial, you know, on yeah. a certain shot. And I got lucky. Um, I had people really support me maybe because I was asking too many questions and they wanted me to go away <laughs> and I just started making a lot on my own. I was in high school. I, I made s- stuff by myself as well. And then, yeah, just, I think once I started realizing like, this isn't terrible, And modulation nowhere was really like, I still am kind of shocked. Um, I made that in Berlin. I, I was living in Berlin for like a year. Uh, and I used some equipment I had for free. We shot it on a Canon C 300. Okay. Um, it's like a four $4,000 budget. Yep. And it was great. Great camera. It was, I mean, it it totally did its job. Wrote the script. I I still think I'm like, I like script writing is not easy. So it's like, that's another aspect of it. Having to direct, having to write. And honestly writing came and still is the hardest for me, the threads of writing. And it it was just that, that came out better than I thought. And I think a lot of that had to do with, I had, we shot it in like three days. It was like a $4,000 budget working with the German crew The actors were so prepared and worked so hard on that. They took it so serious. My friend, Josh Henderson, who lives right by me in Manhattan, he played in a band I played in called Webley, a brilliant um, composer, violinist, did the score. And it, it was just one of those weird things that like, when it was done, I was like, that's not terrible, right? And then yeah. my friends were like, "That's not terrible, even though your other stuff is terrible." So maybe got <laughs> <I love it. laughs> even though your other stuff is crap, like this works. Yeah, really right. <laughs> that's like, a real. That's, what, you're,
0: that's the kind of feedback real friends give you, by that, the way. That's right. No, that's for right. real.
2: And the yeah. one thing is, is like, and you're trying to find your voice, right? Like, interesting going back to like the pseudonyms or the names. It's like a part of that name is like finding a different aspect of your voice that maybe like you as yourself is not quite aware of, or quite aware of how to um, project without being insecure. I'm really, I mean, we all know as creators, it's like putting anything out there. I mean, talk about letterbox. I have multiple people who have written, you know, terrible stuff about my work on letterbox. I have people who've written really good stuff. I mean, so that's going to happen no matter what. Right. So it's like, uh, you can do that under the pseudonym or you can do it under your own name. There's no way of avoiding it really, but yeah. And modulation nowhere. Just, um, I can watch it now and see many mistakes. I mean, we made it for barely anything. You can see some production in some shots, (laughs) Some of the audio is a little messed. Um, There's a reflection of, I think you can see my hand while I'm like uh, watching a tracking shot. I don't want to review the movie, but I will say that there's aspects of it that shows off a style I was going for, which is like just taking people in really tough situations and how they deal with them. I think a lot of times in movies we expect the right decision from the characters. And I don't think that's how life works out all the time. I think we're putting really tough decisions and that works. So my decision with Modulation Nowhere was this is at least as close as I've ever been. I might as well see if what people think. And I got so lucky. A company licensed it out, uh, and they like paid me money for it, so I was able to put money back towards what I invested. It was my own money that I invested, which barely happens on shorts. I'm sure you guys talk to people when they're making shorts, and you have to let them know like, it's very hard to recoup. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they they put it on TV, like in like all these different countries and uh, shorts TV and all these different countries and online. And that actually is what led to funding for Hidden Exposure, which up until like a week before it came out was actually called Left With Only Rain. Yeah, yeah they I saw that. I was going to
1: ask you about that. But I want to take yeah. you back before you before you get into Hidden Exposure. I want to talk about the film that you made. So we're talk, let's talk about yeah. you know, Modulation Nowhere. So you had these people, right, who were yeah. in your film, who supported your film. Where yes. do these people come from, man? Like that's the, that's, that's well, part of this process, right? It's like all of a sudden you had a crew, you had cast. I mean, what do you yep. do Wiggle on. your nose? And they just showed up like a little like, bit you get them. So okay.
2: I, I, I work in, I worked as a videographer and editor while I was living in Berlin and I, I was a part of some cool production. So I met some great people. A lot of it was, actors you can get a good actor you know if you and they were interested in the script so i had met those two actors and i like pretty much begged them to do it and they did and they i couldn't i mean these were like the most prepared people like it was just so it was, that was like a gift like you you get lucky down the line right especially on that it was not a big crew uh there was a cinematographer he had he essentially had one ac who was also like the grip yeah, <laughs> and then right. they had an assistant who essentially would like hold you know help with some of the lighting that was literally the camera crew so I don't know if this is getting too technical, but I storyboarded the entire film with Josh's uh, temp score um, all on violin on my iPhone at the time. So I went to all these locations and some, some of them were with the actual final actors. I have some footage somewhere and I, cause I edit um, and I, I edited it together with his temp score and I was able to chat with the cinematographer, George Steffens about it and show him it. Um, and he was able to build off that and make it better. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I feel like I just got lucky. It was a very small crew, but people are interested in people making stuff, right? Yeah. Can yeah, you talk yeah. about
1: that storyboarding real quick? So you said you use yeah, your iPhone. Yeah. So were you, and you were on locations and you had the actors there. So were you basically taking pictures of where they would be in that space and then annotating those as your storyboard? And then you put all of that with the track. how did you do that?
2: Yeah, a, a little bit a little bit of both. Sometimes it would just be like like they weren't in every location, so sometimes I'll do like I'll draw a strict figure like I like going mm-hmm. on like Pinterest and like copying and pasting an image into Photoshop or into uh, InDesign. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been doing that like that's actually what I did like for my next few projects. I'm like obsessed with Pinterest and um and copy and pasting into InDesign and messing. But um, yeah, I was starting to do that a little bit. So it was half and half. Some of it was that. Some of it was like my friend who's not an actor. I'm like, can you just walk and block? I was figuring yep. out my blocking and stuff. Like that scene, there's a scene in the bar that's like a long take, which I look at now and it was clearly like, I'm, the short, I'm a short filmmaker trying to show that I can do a long take. I don't, mm. you know, can I actually break down that that needed to be a long take? Four years later, I don't know, to be honest with you. But I'm happy right. I did it because I needed that out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, part of it was that we're all watching, just we're we're, we're into one people's world because it goes through people talking and stuff and all that. So, yeah, I, I had that completely storyboarded out. I had the intro scene where that graffiti wall was. The one thing that wasn't storyboarded was the ending that changed in the edit just because of uh, it just came up while we were editing that this would make a stronger ending. Um, but, yeah, th- that's what I did. I did pop it in Premiere. Back to the subtitles thing, like you can put you can write your own subtitles. Like in this scene, Christian Harding, the lead actor from Andre Snowhere, amazing human being and actor. Like Christian walks up to the camera and we're gonna do just like a medium shot on his face while he looks over. You know, I, I would do stuff like that on the, the footage nice. and try to keep it with the script. And then I mean, I'm not, again going back to being lucky. Uh Josh has been one of my friend Josh Henderson, the musician, has been one of my friends for 15 years. So I don't know how many people would have you know, just sent their friend a ton of demos to work with for that editing purpose that I can also show to the actors and the editor and the crew. I would play the score on set so people knew the vibe we were going for.
0: Oh wow. Okay.
2: So it was just a lot of that. And what I learned through modulation nowhere, I guess, and obviously getting into the the features, it's everything times a hundred, is uh it's very important as a director. You necessarily don't have to be the most I don't think you have to be technically the most creative person on set or even Mm -hmm. the most talented person on set you have to be able to guide your creative teams on what you want and the world you're building so going back to that with modulation nowhere i feel like what helped with that with no budget getting people involved was i had all these storyboards the video storyboards i had from pinterest like mood boards and i had a score and I had the mood down, mm. and then I got very lucky with the people who came came on me. I mean, you're, you're talking a three person camera and lighting crew.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but you were prepared for that luck, though. Like that's the part that I that I like about this is like you it, you didn't just get lucky. I think that's what a lot of people will say, like oh he got lucky. It's like well he was prepared for that, and I think part of that preparation was you were living that life right? Even with the the music, right? You were living the life of a musician at a point. So you had friends who are musicians, you were, you know, you were doing your PA stuff, you were, you know, working with the video editing, like there's people around you that you could call upon to help you with these things. So yeah, there's a a, a little bit of luck in there. But I think a lot of that is you were building strong relationships with other artists, and that all those artists came together to help another artist, which is you.
0: I'd replace the word lucky with resourceful. Yeah, you know, and what allowed you to be resourceful is that you were already two feet in. You know, yep. this yeah. is what you been trying to do.
2: Yeah, my mom says that all the time too, which I think is also important. Like, I think sometimes people lose fact of that. So, like, I actually really enjoyed. I, I I haven't PA'd in many years now, but I I think about it more than almost like pr- producing or like associate producing, just because there's so much I learned from how people treated me and how mm-hmm. I needed to treat people to move around. And some of the people I started with are the people who've worked on my film and stuff like that. And that goes back to building your team, right? And I think yeah. with shorts, okay, so maybe you made a short that's really bad, but you met a couple people on that set that you didn't like, you're never going to work with again. But there's one guy who was like the second AC and he was just super nice and was never complained about having to use the clipboard. And, and that guy, for all you know, is part of that, that crew that can help you when you show them a photo from Pinterest we'll get in that hidden exposure later, but I can talk about Barbie long, my cinematographer to the cows come home about how collaborative she is by just showing her an image on Pinterest, creating scenes off that like stuff. like that. So you, you slowly start to build that. And yeah, I agree. It's a part of it's being in it, which is one reason why, although many times I wish I could have gone to film school and I, maybe I could have started earlier in life or I could have had more, um, maybe not fouled in front of people so much, <laughs> uh, in terms right. of some shorts, which is, you know i wish i had an all a different name for that i appreciate that i approached it from a different angle where i had to be maybe more resourceful but i don't know i, I cannot express how much i love it i'll even just talking about it now i'm just like <laughs> yeah, you can feel it's, the excitement it's, dude it's palpable you know
1: but i think that you know for this audience and you even mentioned it as a as a listener of this podcast right like We try to get these details out to share with people because there are other people who are, you know, in, in parallel universes living the same life. Right. They're all trying to make something, whether it's a short, a feature, a music video, whatever it is. And I think all these lessons that we pick up from each other is, you know, one of the main reasons as to why we do this podcast, you know, to begin with. So one of the other lessons that I would love to kind of learn from is so you said you got lucky again. Right. And someone picked the film up. I mean, how'd they just pick the film up, man? Like, how'd that happen? You know, how'd that, how'd that work out?
2: So one of the things, too, that I, I, this is, I'll get into. I know I can ramble a bit, but one of the things is people come to me a lot, like younger filmmakers, people trying to younger or older, doesn't matter, but trying to get their first f- f- uh, short done or, or feature, which is amazing. I, I, lo- I love to try to help as much as I can. The biggest thing I try to tell people outside of the creativity is you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be a businessman. You know, I, I don't really know. Like, I, I I barely understand how the stock market works. I, I, I don't know this stuff full on, but I know in, intuitively that, like, no one's going to come and do this work for me. So w- with Modulation Nowhere, I didn't have a sales agent. What I did was I started applying to a bunch of festivals. And I would get into, like, it, it didn't matter what I would get into. I can get into, like, um like a festival that my brother put on and you know they didn't even screen whatever like seth bogan awards his brother film of the year festival right whatever it was (laughs) and i would literally like post it and pretend that this was the greatest thing ever to exist yep that's crazy and i realize it's crazy and i realize that it's like okay but it also did something to me mentally it like made me start to believe in it a little bit and i started getting good responses So we got into a good amount of festivals. Um, It was cool. We didn't get into any of the main major ones, but um, one day, you know, and what ended up happening was I just started researching sales and distribution. You guys know that a hundred times better than me, but uh, it was then when I realized it's really hard to make money off shorts. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So essentially what happened was because of the buzz and stuff like that, and it being, it was $4,000 budget. I paid for it with my own money. At the time, that was almost everything I had in my bank account. (laughs) I would have been fine if I didn't get it back, though. I wasn't going to be homeless or anything like that. But uh, I started researching some shorts and seeing which ones people were talking about. Okay, so I knew I wasn't going to win Sundance. I knew I wasn't going to get into Venice or whatever it was. And I noticed there was a couple companies that were distributing them. So I just started, again, going back to um, InDesign, (laughs) building decks and packages, trailers, having an editing background, um, and the editor uh, um, who edited with me, Hernan Bernos of Modulation Nowhere, he we co-edited a, um, like a trailer together. I just started sending it out, and then um, a, a company called Shorts TV licensed it, and that's how that got there essentially. That's awesome. I had no idea how, how distribution worked or how the industry worked when that happened. I, I, I got, I'm like I'm not. I, I would love to be like, oh, I expertly tailored this and packaged this. I have no idea. I, I, I just knew that again, if I could have put on an alter ego, I got so many emails. That's just like, this movie sucks. Or like, who are you again? You're nobody, whatever it was, you know, you get, you're getting, you denied a hundred times out of every one. And I still do, you know, I you know, uh, and um, yeah, I, d- I don't know what the lesson is there other than like, maybe just be prepared to be denied and be okay with that. And we'll also keep just on. be prepared to
0: grind. And like you said, be an entrepreneur. You have to be a little crazy to get into film, right? Like, (laughs) like that's part of it. Like, what I love to say, if ever there's a morale issue, is hey, like to the the whole cast and crew, like we're getting to, we're making a movie.
1: You get Uh to do this to make a
0: movie. This is like an awesome thing. Don't ever forget that we're getting to make you know a movie. And before you think just like promoting yourself and self promotion seems crazy, just look at the world we're surrounded with. Like I read this today. If you go and order YouTube TV, which is their paid for sort of TV service, they, uh, you do this all via the web. They have 55 different, uh, upsells on the screen and they're just elegant about it. They're really elegant about where they put them. And and when you're scrolling, there's 55 of them. There's 55 chances to spend more money with YouTube on one, on one scroll, one really long scroll page. So if, if, if Google can do it, Todd can do it, Nick can (laughs) do it, Chris can do it. So, but, but all that information, there's so much to dig into because I mean, probably more than we even have time for, I, I think about the way that you were putting your, your board together. And it's like, shoot, man, when we're making short films, maybe like, just drawing them is enough. And you, you made it seem like, well, I only use my phone and Pinterest. It's like, that's better than sometimes we'll just draw the st- squares and say, this is the intent. And you sit down and you just talk about the intent and where the person should be with, even, even if it's just stick figures. And so as long as everybody around you creatively is into it, you can communicate that. But I love this idea of world building that you described. Mm -hmm. And I think what's so difficult is you don't know as a filmmaker, sometimes who you are well enough to build a world, right? Like you don't have a POV that's polished and developed yet. You don't have a place you're looking at where that allows you to kind of build up that world. And so when you get on set and you've built that world out, you're trying to build the world, it can be a little, you know, uh, discombobulated and it may not feel very linear. It may not feel very whole. And so the cool thing with you is you knew know thyself is so powerful. You knew this is what I want this to look like. This is the world. This is the mood. This is the tone, even enough to be able to play the score on set. I just want you to know that that is unusual. Like that is different, <laughs> especially when you're just starting and you're coming up from the PA role and you want to make a film, you know, a lot of times you're writing about something you're interested in, but you don't know a lot about, frankly, like you're not deep. A lot of times, and people underestimate that, frankly, they think that cause they're interested in, in it, they know a lot about it. That's not right. So when you write, the screenplay, it doesn't ring true because you really don't know what the hell you're talking about. You just kind of are interested in that world. And so to know what you're writing about, to know the world, that's that's huge. So yeah, kudos.
2: No, that's actually amazing um, to think about. It's funny because it's like possibly because I didn't go to film school. I came up as a PA. I I started producing. I, I video edited a lot. I probably, it's like going back to that. It's like I maybe... I didn't have enough information. And if I had more information, I wouldn't have done it, which like <laughs> scares me with some things in life. Like now I'm like, um, like a, a relatively tall, skinny Jewish guy. But growing up, I was like a very pudgy short Jewish guy with, you know, <laughs> I, I knew I was never going to be in the NBA. Right. Right. Uh, I always want, I wanted to be in the NBA. That was like my dream, obviously, but I, I could realize by the age of 11 or 12, that gets applied to everything in life. Now the NBA is like mm. completely impossible to get into. Obviously we look at that, but film is different because there's multiple films all over the world. And I'm, I'm always curious, at, like how many people get dissuaded or get pushed apart because they haven't quite figured that out yet. And with world building for me, I guess it's just how I approach it. Like it's more like, I know this sounds weird, but it's like directing by feeling. <laughs> but one thing that I learned through doing shorts, doing bad shorts was I have to express my feelings. I have to express my world, not my feeling like, Oh, I'm feeling sad today, but my feelings like in this scene, we need like a blue white and orange color code because this blue is representing the depression. She's going through this white is her pureness that's left and uh, the red or whatever is the warning for what's, whatever it is. Um, I had to learn how to do that. And for me it was, it was visual essentially, which is maybe good. Why I'm a director um, in terms of writing. I, st- I still am figuring out how to, Get my writing to the next level, um, which is also why I've I've now worked with co-writers the last few stuff, which has made everything so much better because they're yeah. they're able to like interpret that almost to to text, if you will.
0: Well, th-
2: there are but know things thyself, that, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And there are things that or me and don't. Nick talk about, or don't, well, if you don't, it shows then, up big time. Or don't be right?
2: aware, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Don't be aware. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like
0: there are things, and we've mentioned a few of them that me and Nick say, okay, that's what makes something seem premium. One of them mm-hmm. is obviously sound, which we talked about. When sound yeah. and score are great, it elevates the film in a quality way that's perceived uh, by the subconscious. So the subconscious mind's like, oh, this is a nice film, right? Lighting is the second, maybe the first or second thing we notice. Oh, this is well lit. So this is pr- this is mm-hmm. premium. Maybe they shot this with a red. Maybe they shot this with an Ari. And then they and you come to find out just brilliant lighting. And we shot it with a C 300. And then I think the third thing that's underrated and, and gets missed is art direction, set direction, location to us. That's another character, mm-hmm. your location 100%. and your art. That's a whole other character. And if that character isn't moving and, and swaying and and, and interesting and, and engaging, then you've missed out on an opportunity to take advantage of maybe something your actor does really really well that would have played yeah. off that location quite well right like like uh so it's just something to think about there's a reason why you know all the mission impossibles are in foreign countries because it gives a cool place for tom cruise to run full speed <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: like we need to see, we need to see him do that
2: I agree. I, I love the last one, by the way. I don't care what anyone says. I, I, that last train set piece in the train you know, the mountain—I mean, it's um, like that's so cool to me. I'm like, I—that's that's a that's location, you know. And also, sound, like,
0: sound is what hurt that movie. So yeah, so yeah, I got for some reason, the sound mix on it—it it should be blowing your face off, mm-hmm. and it's not blowing your face off. Like Oppenheimer blows your face off the sound. Yeah. For whatever reason, the latest MI. The, the, the dialogue mix was bad. Like they, like something happened there. Like you, the, you, it was hard to kind of hear him talk. It was the explosions didn't blow you out of your seat like the last ones, and it took you out of the story a little bit. And because everything is so death-defying, like he, he's like a cat with nine lives. You need to be totally engulfed in that to feel the danger mm-hmm. of it. And that's the only thing. So I guess if you can watch it in Dolby premiere or, or IMAX, it'll be better. But if not, you're going to, it's not going to feel like the other Mission Impossibles to me, you know? Yeah.
2: I saw it in IMAX, so I, I have to listen to it again. I, I don't have 100% hearing from someone I was born with. So sometimes that's like my last thing sometimes that I miss is some of those, um, some of those things. Some of the ease, right? Yeah. Some of the ease, but yeah, Oppenheimer. You, I felt that in my bones. Right. I, I saw yeah. it, that, I was like, Whoa, I'm feeling this, except for when it went off, obviously. So, yeah. um, which is brilliant. Yeah, um, well, but, you
0: just ruined it for Nick. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't no, think no, Nick is no, no, sick. No, I don't no, think no, Nick no, no. you didn't ruin
2: anything for me. You, for me.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's hard to spoil a movie for me, man. I, I get immersed regardless. Are you going to go
0: watch <laughs> it in theater, Nick? Are you going to yeah, go watch it before oh, these theaters? Yeah,
1: yeah, I will. I will. I just, just wanted to tell you. So yeah, yeah and I, alone. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sit by myself. But I just, as yeah. far as movies in a the theater, again, this is something that we did had, had to bring back from a previous episode. So my wife and my daughter and my sister in law went to see Barbie. Finally, they actually, so they went to the movie. The AC wasn't working in the theater, so oh, no. they ended up leaving. They got free tickets to come back, and this, that, and the other. They went to see it, and they came home, and I was like, you know, they did the whole Barbie thing, right? They had the Barbie shoes, they had the Barbie shirt. You know, they were whole. You know, the whole thing was there, and they came back, and they're like what was that movie like that no what was that like what <laughs> really? was that even about oh man they were not no one none of them really liked it my daughter was like i almost fell asleep dead <laughs> i was like wow what? yeah none of them liked it so it was
0: i'm shocked super, because super that surprising. movie that movie is fantastic
1: yeah they just i'm shocked None of them liked it, man. And they were ready. They were prepared. Ryan Gosling you know? is
0: hilarious. Yeah. He's a
1: great actor. Something missed him, man. Yeah. You know, something yeah. missed him. I don't know what probably, it was. Yeah, it, Probably the frustration of having to go do it again. Nah, man. They were <laughs> super hyped up, but they were just... I don't know what was going on. But anyway, Justin, I just wanted to mention that because you mentioned, yeah. you know, the Oppenheimer, obviously, and the Barbenheimer yeah. situation that was going on. So, yeah, I just had to bring it up. Also, part of it is hype. I went to this high school with two great
0: artists. One is an actor in, our, in my town named uh, Mueba Mustafa. I, I believe that's his name. And there was another guy named Darcy. And Darcy was unbelievable. Like he was like a great piano player, had been playing in his church since he was a child, Todd. And he could sing Stevie Wonder. And we had the Ooh. big talent show, you know, all the artist kids love the talent show. And we knew Darcy was going to blow our, our hair off, right? Our, like we just knew he was going to kill it because he kills it. That's what he does. That's who Darcy is. But we didn't know anything about Moeba. So when he came up and sang really well, The the surprise of it, he won the show because we knew Darcy was going to sing Stevie Wonder. We knew it was going to sound great, but the surprise element. So I think also part of it, Nick, could be, look, if you go watch a movie on opening weekend, there's nobody to ruin it for you. You don't hear the pomp and circumstance. that isn't everywhere yet. And if you have to wait till the end of the cycle, you're already been overhyped up. Now it's supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread. And you go there and it's like, you know, it's just sliced bread. <laughs> like it's just it's like, it's the thing before sliced bread. It's not, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not uh-huh. as good as we thought. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to talk to them offline about this uh, situation. Later. And
1: this experience. But, but back, yeah, because, like, yeah, yeah, because we do got to gotta get back to Todd. Because now uh-huh. we have to get to this place where we're transitioning from the short into the feature because oh. you said that you did yeah. leverage some of the success that you had you know with your short to get the feature so let's just talk about yes. what happened there
2: yeah for sure You i know, was thinking it's like the why lebron doesn't win the mvp every year uh theory you know with what you just said yeah so uh, once the short started getting out there and it's it's a short it's not like it was like famous or all over the place or anything like that but i had a couple people interested in what I was doing next, who had saw it. A lot of it actually came from uh, Je- Jessica Brosick, who is the lead uh, actress in Modulation Nowhere. She was working on a movie in Berlin and a couple producers had saw it, who she had showed it to. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I, I had a bunch of long conversations and they're like, uh, what's your plan? You know, do you think, have you thought about making a feature? And at the time I had written like three scripts. I was working on three feature scripts that just did not work. Just, you know, days on end working on sleepless nights, bringing down someone else that you just could not pull it off. I, I I tried to turn modulation nowhere into a feature, all that. And I had a long conversation with him and I had this idea brewing in my head that hmm. became hidden exposure. And I essentially told him, I was like, yeah, just give me like a little bit. I had this idea. And I had like, I built like a, a, a pretty long uh, relationship with this guy <laughs> who had access to some financers his people ended up not financing the movie. They actually left before I even got there. Not because of the script or anything like that, because they had some, um, their own financial stuff that, that flipped it around. Um, very nice guy though. And in, in fact, again, you're talking about going back to the luck or people helping you. Cause you're around. He actually taught me how feature film financing works mm. and he ended up not being the one, but because of him, I got there and I started working on left with the only rain for that. Um, so I started working on Left of the only rain, like, summer 2019 i think um the original outline was called knife revenge story (laughs) and the idea was somebody chases after somebody who did them wrong who Mm. left new york and when they get there going back to a little bit what i said earlier i love people put in situations where they necessarily don't always make the right decisions like we Mm -hmm. want our movies to do yeah and she gets there and doesn't actually have a plan it's like your basketball alter ego gets an alley-oop but you freeze and you can't dunk, even though that's all you've dreamed about doing. And and that was the general premise. And then the other idea was I wanted to follow the, um, the, the circle, the cycle of abuse. I wanted to take a character through that in a movie. I got obsessed with that. Um, <laughs> so freeze up the pieces character. started coming yeah. into play. And then I started building um, the Alvi character for her. I wanted somebody who like really meant to do well, but at the same time, she, I mean, if you're in New York, Hudson Valley, um, Catskills area, it's one of the most beautiful places in the country. That's very underrated. I've been to the Catskills. But there's a lot of it's so beautiful, and and there's a lot of people um, who build. You know, the the prices are going. I'm not from there. I've never lived there, so I'm not one to really speak on it. But uh, the prices are going up because people are going in and like building it up like crazy with money. People are like building actual towns, and I actually based her character off um, a story I read about somebody who was building a town from scratch a really wealthy person and was like upping the real estate there and i thought it'd be interesting if she is some and Alvi means good friend we're talking about names right Uh, alvina it's short for alvina and it means good friend and Mm -hmm. she's someone who's desperate for a friend desperate for freedom from her father but also needs him so badly and is trying to find herself right so i I just started building these characters and then Ramsey came in essentially as like a full-on id a full-on somebody who is completely dealing with failure his entire life and how that reacts to him, and <laughs> the Sabina character um, back to her name. I, I really R. like her yep. name because <laughs> it's like a name that's like a dissonant chord. It's not a major or a minor. It like doesn't quite yeah. finish. Um, you're missing the the R. It, you know, it's a yeah. it, so I, it kind of and 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 I felt like that is part of her her cycle and that essentially was where I started from. Now going back, I wrote three features before that that were. Did not work. I wrote a bunch of shorts. Modulation Noir was the only one that was all right. And I think a lot of that got ex- boosted in the edit, thanks to Hernan Bornos. And Left With The Only Rain, <laughs> for everyone out there thinking that they wrote one bad draft and their movie career is over, I wrote 72 drafts of Left With The Only Rain over a two-year period <laughs> by myself. I got told by everyone... I can look at, I have, I'm very um, OCD with my organization. So I have folders from every <laughs> single draft and all the the coverage on all the wow. everything. I do that with everything. Uh, I all like all the Pinterest photos too. <laughs> um, and I can look at the coverage and I started noticing like 10 drafts in people were like, there's something here that's good. <laughs> so at the same time, I'm telling this guy who wanted to finance it, that I'm almost ready to write this while I'm figuring out how to actually write a feature that's good. And then slowly but surely, I started building the world and the story. I started doing all the visuals before I even finished the script. The storyboarding, um, mood boards, col- back to the modulation over times 100 because it's a feature. I, I, I storyboarded myself. I paid a bunch of people on Fiverr. I would like make uh, collages on Photoshop. So mm-hmm. I would take photos like, I need a woman, by a mailbox. So you collage that together and then send it to someone on Fiverr and they would bring it back to you and then I would color it in. I started just building that world. I got to a point where it got. It was like a. One, it was a finalist at Austin Film Festival, and it it went to a couple actors. I got it to a couple actors who were super nice, but I got, the response I was getting was like, "You know how to tell a story. You know how to build a world, but you don't know how to write the tendons, the meat of a story, mm-hmm. the nuances of a character. Uh, I, what does a character eat? What does a character?" Um, How does he talk to their dad, essentially? And that's the stuff that I still am working on as a screenwriter. Wait, wait, wait. So so
1: you were expecting to see that come out or other people were expecting to see that come out of the script itself?
2: Some of the actors were. They were saying that the character's stuff was thin, if you will. Um, This is before it, it got there. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And, and, and that's another thing you're wondering is like, what does so you go online, there's like a million different rules on screenplays and it's exactly. like, exactly. Uh, and it seemed, you know? and
1: that <laughs> seems to break all the rules for what you're supposed to have in a screenplay. Where do they expect to see that in the screenplay? Yeah, exactly. Did you add it? Well, I mean,
0: you're probably doing it in the dialogue and you're probably mm-hmm. setting it up in the action text, right? Like, so we, I mentioned going to the Catskills. Well, the person I was up there with was driving me. And it was in the winter, it was in February, snow everywhere, the roads were hectic. So just imagine that as action text. So now I'm in the action text Mm -hmm. telling you, it's February in the Catskills, ice is everywhere, and uh, our character is speeding in a Mercedes. So all of a sudden, I've kind of given the character a background already. Mm -hmm. The character's on the phone, and he's cursing. One hand on the wheel, in the Catskills, February, ice, on the phone with the other hand, cursing. So this is without any, you know, only the dialogue of the, of the cursing that might play there. That would be the only thing you would need to let an actor know, okay, here's the kind of person I'm dealing with this kind of person that then you find out, okay, he's cursing at his mother. Yep. So now here's the person he cusses his mom out. Like it's a girlfriend. He drives a Mercedes and he's reckless in the Catskills.
1: And, and yeah, I think that's kind no, of what wait, you're wait, looking for in those let me, nuances. Let me, let me ask you a question. Exactly. And, and Todd, let me ask this, both of you, basically, which is, yep. so you can read a lot of stuff online, right? Like you just mentioned, yep. Todd, right? There's all this stuff. Got to be careful. basic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the question I have is, you see a lot of mm-hmm. the rules that say, keep yep. it simple, stupid. Yeah, but they'll say, keep it simple, stupid. Like, don't put all that other stuff in there. Or we don't want to do that. That might happen on set, right? Where you're talking about more of that stuff. But this is like is a lot of the stuff that's out there that's teaching you the basics and keeping you to, you know, telling you to, are they expecting something different? Right. And is that maybe what you learned is that some of that stuff that you see on keep it simple, stupid, is that a lie? Right. So like is if you're dealing with some more seasoned actors and seasoned teams, makes it easier for the engine to get it. If it's simple, right. If it's basic, if it's templatized, but if you're giving it to a human, they're expecting action text. They're expecting context. They're expecting all of these things that line where it says, keep it simple and keep it to this framework. Maybe that's just for the engine, right? If you put your script into an engine who understands this business and how this thing really works at a higher level, maybe 80% of indie filmmakers aren't doing because they've been taught something else. It just brings up something really interesting.
2: No, I, I fully agree with you. And like, I, I still don't know the answer. I'm like prepping my second and third film. And I still, I still don't know. I think some of it, it's funny. Cause it's like, some of it is like, it's a good basics, right? Like you, like you can learn how to shoot a jump shot, but it doesn't mean you're going to make it if you have correct form. Right. Yep. And, and there's a lot of that where you have to learn off that and th- those books and those things help. Right. Cause if you don't know anything about screenwriting, it's there, but there's definitely a place where you have to take it your own, make it your own, build your own world. And Todd, let me just jump in here because for the edification of the
0: audience, let me just I'll just reach down here. For me, this is this is the one. This is the best book you can get on screenwriting. It's called oh, The yeah. Screenwriter's Bible. David Trottier. He's the he's the GOAT. <laughs> when it comes to te- like not the goat as a screenwriter, but he's the GOAT as a communicator for the world of screenwriting. So sorry to interject. I just wanted, since we're on the subject, people want to know what to read. To me, like to Nick's point, there's a lot of stuff on the internet. There's been a hundred books written about this stuff. I think this one called the Screenwriter's Bible is all you need. And it really covers everything that, that you need to know about sort of the formatting and, and how to write it. The rest of it is kind of up to you because to me, Todd, and you, and you just tell me how you did it on Hidden Exposure the stuff that Nick's talking about that should come out at the table read because yeah. you can't do it on
2: set. Yeah. And I fully agree how we did it was I ha- ended up having additional writers come in. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I got the 72 drafts and I was like, I'm getting good response. I got an Austin mm-hmm. film festival finalist on my own again. It's like, okay, so I can sacrifice being, I don't necessarily need to be like the only writer on everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just learned through coverage uh, what people wanted from every character a lot of it was like in their arcs um alvi for instance is a character that was very built out of coverage in the original early like probably first 20 25 drafts she wasn't even related to um richard kine's character uh, abbott and that came through notes that was like a uh, notes from somebody i don't even remember who gave me that note so a lot <laughs> of it was was through that um yeah. so like again it's like totally backwards process like you can only send your friend's so many versions of your script before they hate you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you end up just paying for it on Fiverr. I, I honestly like Fiverr was like, helped me through a lot of that. Yeah. And it, that was my process. I heard a lot of
0: people say that. Have you Nick it, like, like Fiverr being like your ultimate resource for all things like sort of film pre-pro that's, that's interesting. And I guess the, the upside of Fiverr is that you can like negotiate price with a bunch of different yeah. people and then make your choice.
2: With Love with the Only Rain, uh, hidden ex- exposure, to Love the Only Rain, I found like two or three people that gave good notes, and then they got invested in it themselves. So they would like write me like, "I'll give you a discount if I can read like a couple of drafts." I'm wondering oh, that's where it awesome. is. And and you kind of built. That's, that's wild. Yeah, and then it's cool. And and um, <laughs> what I did yeah, with that so was cool. I got to the point where I was like, I want to attract like a name, like I want to attract a name, name to this, because then I know I can reach out to a bunch of people and get this uh, funded, or at least hope to. And two people, uh, Amali Jeffers, who did a great job. He came in for a couple of weeks and helped me like, um, reorganize stuff like from like a scholastic point of view, I would say. And then, uh, Frederick Richter, who I'm co-writing my ne- who co-wrote my next, uh, movie with, who's like a master's from AFI and screenwriting. He, he's worked on huge stuff. Um, just an amazing guy who has taught me so much about screenwriting the, la- like the last few years since there. And they just came in and just like, up the dialogue i was really suffering with my dialogue up so much of it and just gave it this roundness and then it got in the hands of uh, rumor willis and she liked it and then emailed me that she was interested in come on man no 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 they're no, not, not gonna play that game
1: you know <laughs> man it just got in the hands of rumor willis i mean now rumor you know,
0: willis for those who don't know is the daughter of demi uh, Moore and bruce willis so, yes. how to, how to rumor, and, okay, so how to it rumor got, it find got to thing.
2: her agent. We sent it to her agent you, and again, everything in IMDB pro you can reach out to people. And yep. if you know, you can have a little bit of yep. money. If you know, you have like a decent script, you can pitch it to them. And we sent so many people, you know, said no, didn't reply again, back to that, like trying to just accept that denial. And she read it and they wrote us back that she liked it. And that same agency, Innovative, everyone they they casted the movie essentially
0: wow uh, and
2: then so you didn't have to R- richard, hire a casting
0: director because they, no, they basically no.
2: and wow yeah That's And so cool and richard it was it was amazing and i mean it's a very low budget what, what was your pre-pro budget versus the budget you actually spent i'm not allowed to say the final final right. budget yep. uh, but i will okay. say it's sure well under it's well under a million it's well under 700 right I'll say okay that.
0: got it got it perfect indie film yep
2: yeah i saw someone wrote on letterbox they were like kind of liking the film kind of not and they said it was like a big budget something I'm like big budget something what are you talking about <laughs> um but uh,
0: um, i love when they get it completely wrong that's it right. it the right. thing so they, so they referenced
2: yeah. was like 10 times our budget i was like yeah and then um you know i i, I met with liana after she read it who was just amazing and um uh, and then uh jordan and and richard uh chatted with him he Called me up uh, on my phone one day, and I got a call from Richard Kind. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Dude. Um, and he lives pretty close to me, so I, I see him all, a lot. He's an amazing guy, and he's been a little bit like giving me advice and stuff on a lot of stuff. But it was it was really crazy how it fell in the line, and I was prepared with the vibes, I guess you can say, like the mood boards, the um, all the footage. Once and, we
0: read Richard Kahn we were in. We're like, okay. He,
2: yeah, it was. I still can't believe he did it. He was. He stayed for um, yep. it, it, for all, all the other actors' sides. Right. He was. I um, couldn't have been more gracious and and nicer and like just super respectful towards me. I'm first time feature director. He had no. He didn't have to be nice to me, um, and was just so. Uh, I mean, I mean, he still is such a pleasant guy, and and I got very. Could lucky you imagine be with being mean if your last
0: name is kind?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah, you never know. In this industry. <laughs> this yeah. is like the he, theme of this hey, whole Chris, conversation: Chris. is the power of a name. Yeah, I know, but
1: I I yeah. have to do this though, right? Your I'm so, Dick I'll, Kind. There you go. So
0: you kind of you kind of <laughs> have both that's what kind i was gonna a,
1: say i was like kind ah. of an
0: ass and then you're kind of <laughs> oh that's that's to your thunder you, there to, and you stole it but that's what i was gonna
1: say i was like he could go both ways you never he know could go either way exactly. well wait a second not- <laughs> no 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 we're not gonna go there bro so <laughs> <laughs> but that's we don't awesome know anything
0: about that yeah yeah
1: exactly but it's awesome because like chris said like we saw richard kind and we're like dude we're all in because he is an everything actor man like he is he, a chameleon. He can do whatever he wants to do
2: and it will be phenomenal. So, and he'll you know, come in totally prepared. Yeah. And he, he's an amazing dramatic actor. It's something that people, I don't think, understand. He, he is an amazing dramatic actor. That scene, um, there's a scene with him in Rumor um, towards the end of the film that is like a very, to me, it's like a very like father daughter. I mean, uh, I have a sister. I'm, I don't have any kids. I have nieces, but it's like a very much like a father child Mm -hmm. scene that sums up a lot of things in life and it just that scene still gets me to this day i mean uh, their their performances are so good in that scene there was a lot of improv on it towards the end and he just killed it him and rumor that's Um, awesome yeah
0: yeah i can't wait for people to see it and check it out and get that feedback um you know right now you know, I think it has like a 5.6 rating on IMDb, but I think people listening to this, go watch it, go rate it 10 stars, nine stars or do what you feel, be authentic. But I think a lot of times on IMDb, those ratings are a little bit false because they have basically employed reviewers. Mm-hmm. And when they review a film, those reviews are weighted heavier than a user review. And so in a way, what IMDb and I guess by proxy Amazon is saying is we trust our people and our people get two votes and your people get one vote. Well, I think that's kind of crap, because if you're a filmmaker, the people who are watching your movie, first first offer likely and, and, and care to review are likely film people as well. Now, look, are you going to get some people in there that are just going to rate it 10 because they like you and they love you and they're part of the film? Sure. But. But I would say. That's okay because as the film goes through its run, you're going to get those people that you mentioned before, Todd, on Letterboxd, that are going to rate it two stars or three stars as as if any film effort could be one, two, or three stars. I I never rate any film that low because I know how hard it is just to make a feature film. Like you get, to me, you get four stars just for completion, just the fact that you completed the thing. So. I can't wait for everybody to see it and, and check it out. I am curious why you landed on Tubi as a distribution partner.
2: Yeah. And I know um, Nick is
0: too. I know he wanted to ask that. <laughs> I've told yeah, you twice.
2: And and you see that sometimes on Letterboxd, people are like, this isn't really a, a Tubi movie, or like, this is like an interesting movie for Tubi. Um, they've been a, gr- a great partner. So once we finished the movie about a year ago, the, the post and everything. I was lucky enough to make contact with Priscilla Smith at The Coven, a sales agency, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they did like Terrifier too, a bunch of stuff. One of the nicest, most trustworthy people you, yep. you can meet, which is you know everyone likes to complain. I hear all these horror stories about sales agents, and I'm always like, really, that happened to you? My sales agent's awesome. <laughs> Her and Kendall at The Coven, and uh, we were at um, at Berlinale EFM earlier this year, and they made a good. So this is one thing where Tubi is coming into play for indie filmmakers. They made a really good offer for us that essentially was paying back the budget, you know? And, and we have, again, it's like, this is an indie film. We're not, this was essentially funded by a bunch of people. You have to hedge together who are doing it to hopefully break even one day Um, because I was able to attach, or we were able to attach some names to the script and Mm -hmm, people found the, the content interesting enough the, you know, this is not again, when people are giving you the two stars, it's like, I think sometimes they forget that they assume that like Warner brothers. Made this. Yeah. So it's like, what are we up against? But that's all right. I'll take it. I can take it. Um, but yeah, so they made her an offer and from the business perspective. And again, you have to go into the business mode. Isn't always, it's not my money. I didn't fund it with my own money too. So that's, those are decisions come into play and I'm happy with it because people were made whole and it got out to a lot of people. I feel like there could have been situations where it could have gone somewhere and not that many people saw it. It's right. so like Tubi has like 74 million subs. I feel like wow. the movie, I, I've seen the movie a couple times, like on the big screen in the theater, and there's the cinematography by Barbie Long is just so beautiful. I'm really proud of it. And I think if you get a chance to see it on a projector or a big screen or can project it, it's really worth it. But um, yeah, that's what happened with Tubi and, and they, it's been great. And it's gotten the movie out there to a lot more people than I I was thinking was going to probably happen. That's fantastic. And they've been good partners. And we have a bunch of stuff going on in Europe that will be announced soon, in Germany and some other countries, which I'm very excited about as well. Awesome. So yeah, that that was a 2B thing. And, yeah, all through
0: 2B. All through 2B. Okay. So, Nick, any any last questions for Todd before we wrap this thing up? This has just been just an amazing conversation by the way todd i really appreciate how forthright you've been with with all your answers and just getting into the weeds with us that's what we love to do so i really yeah appreciate
2: I, it. I again and i i know i told you guys this off air but i just uh th- on behalf of your listeners too i know um thank you guys for this podcast because i've learned a ton from many episodes and i think it's very important for the industry and for everyone trying to make any kind of film that's huge. That's huge. That means the world coming that, from man. you,
0: um, Nick. Any any question to, to bring us home? With
2: yeah, I got just the, the, the last
1: thing, which is you have some some great folks, you know, as we mentioned, some casts, you know, in your film, and mm-hmm. you know, we actually have a film that we did, you know, a couple of years back that you know starred uh, Kate Upton, and I think it's mm-hmm. actually her last feature film that she did, right. And one of the exciting things for us about her being in our film was the fact that, you know, we had basically at the time what you would call an A list star in our film. You know, she had been a star in so many different ways and she had a great platform uh, that we could leverage in order to promote the film. Sadly, she didn't promote the film. And the reason (laughs) she didn't promote the film wasn't because she didn't like the film or she didn't like her part. It was at the time that the film was being released, she was actually kind of switching her brand. Right. So her brand kind of went away from what many people at the time knew her for. and was kind of shifting into two things. It's like a, a whole fitness thing that she was doing as well as being a mom. Like it was just kind of like I am revamping everything. And this film that we did wasn't necessarily on that brand. So we totally get it. Right. We understand it. We have no you know bad feelings or anything, but we lost that. Right. So I'm just kind of curious with you, like, is that something that that you're seeking, that you're expecting, that you're hoping for from your cast is that they'll tell other people about it, that they'll use their platforms, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, you know, X, whatever it is to kind of promote your film and and get the word out there?
2: Yeah. um, I mean, part of, you know, one of the things that like people like with the name brings is a big Instagram following. So that is something that you do, you hope and expect, but it's like it's such a weird world because you can't like I'm 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 I, I text with everyone in the movie. I'm friends with everyone, but you it, you know you would feel a little me. I'm not the kind of guy that's like, can you please post this? Uh, you know, with ours, we're in a funny situation because the strike happened right <laughs> after the movie came out in the U.S. Yeah. So there's really they they actually can't. Um, I have a friend who's an actor on uh, Winning Time, and he can't post anything and i feel like you know always contracts you know but what are you gonna do with contracts really sometimes you do expect that and you do help it helps um their name helps by itself I, i think it helps more than people realize and a post helps but i also think that like we'll have we have some fan accounts that are allowed to post there's like a some fan accounts especially for like liana who has some ravenous fans all over the world that are posting about it all the time there's like some discussions about the film but yeah you you hope that you you hope that and if they don't, or if maybe it's not talked about as much amongst the crew, you, you, as a director, as a person who wrote and directed, and you know, raised the finance for it, you feel a little like maybe I let people down. And you you mm-hmm. can look at the movie, and I know I know where stuff. If I could redo it, I would redo this. Whatever. And you know, we shot this in 15 days. There's no excuse. But I know it's a good movie. I know my next movie is going to be a great movie. I know the movie after that's going to be even better. So it's like, how much do you expect them to support that? Level of your talent. I don't know. I take, I'm sensitive. So I always feel like maybe it's something I did or something about the movie. And at the same time, I know that it probably isn't that. Like you just said with the Kate Upton thing, like yep. it has something to do with almost always like their agency, their direction on something. People like in their ear.
0: Exactly. exactly. All exactly. kinds of yep. stuff. And if, if we had to do it again, Todd and Nick, I feel like when we were getting reaction shots from Kate, we would have just like shot a mini ad right then and there, like Mm -hmm. just have her do some things within the reaction time to that. We could chop up and give to our editor to create sort of little marketing pieces. Because I think the whole thing is, is how do we hit the easy button on this? Cause even in another one of our films, we had a a star with a giant following named CJ Perry and you know, she did promote it and did some things, but it would have been great to have her do more sort of video based marketing pieces and that would have been easy to do while the cameras were already rolling and the super talented people were already in the room and, 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 and capturing that versus trying to put together a scratch team to film her do or say something or have her film something on her iPhone or whatever. Like, I think that's a, a decent idea, Nick, that maybe if, if we get another opportunity, we should say, okay, obviously sign the contract. We always say that. But to your point, Todd, like actors are like one group of people that. You can fight them on a contract about non-monetary stuff, but you do it at your own freaking peril, man. Yeah. So it's like, and
1: he wouldn't do that relationship first. Yeah. That's the yeah. key. But I would now, say if it's that money, Chris,
0: then then you kind of have to, but if it's not, yeah. Then yeah. Chris,
1: I was going to say that that's, that's the key there is because, you know, in today's world marketing is just exposure. Right. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. when you're, when you have them right on set is the perfect time to get that marketing, material it's just content right it's just them talking to you it's it's about it's, it's you know, product pictures exposure. of them yeah yeah so what i'm saying in is that sales, it doesn't even have to yeah. be an ad right it doesn't have to be it just has to be content that's releasable in association with the film so if you can get that while they're with you that's the best time to do it as opposed to saying hey guess what now you're uber famous because you did this other thing after my thing hey would you post my thing no 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 you have all the content that you made while they were with you that is now releasable and you can put out there on your own. That wouldn't be impacted by, as Chris said, the people talking in their ear, right? Or their agent or whatever you own that content and you can release it. So I think that's one of the lessons for us is that the more that content you can get while they're a captive audience, the better you're going to be in your sales and marketing.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's amazing advice. I wish I had that advice. On all my films, because I actually I do regret not getting a ton of content on set, Um, having someone go and like interviewing them or yep. explaining what they're doing in this scene, even and stuff like that. It's it's weird because on set you don't think about it. You're just when you're when you're directing too, you you have so much going on. It's like uh, yeah, a ton you know, going we, on. We shot it in 15 days too, so it was like insanity. I mean, in a good way, but uh, and I agree. I think that's that's totally correct. I know I know in one of your guys' earlier podcasts, you've talked a lot about marketing and pre-pro starting your marketing plan pre-pro exactly And i think that that is very important working on my second film heavy ashes we haven't started shooting yet because of the strike and everything i have a marketing plan in my head now i have like how we're going to run set um i brought on frederick richter to co-write the script with me from the beginning so i know it's like the best thing i've ever done and yeah. and that's a lot of it stuff. It's like it's one of those things. It's like, man, if I knew if I knew then what I knew now. But that's also why you make your first film. That's <laughs> so you make right. the shorts. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you make your first feature. Yeah. And, and it, it it's failing or not failing because it's not a failure of a film. It's 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 making mistakes in front of the world who you don't know who have a right to uh, you know criticize you. And that's part of the business we're in. And we we accept that factor when we upload that video that's what i kind of find interesting about it too i'm just like in my mind i'm like i know my next film is going to be all the people who have problems with the first film i respect that i, I like it because wait till my next film because i'm i'm learning from that too and i'm I taking that, that into idea. that and one of those things is the marketing aspect of it you know awesome
0: that's tremendous man and look it could have been a lot worse i you, <laughs> yeah i yeah this film was not a failure in any way whatsoever no got an incredible i'm, I'm very, cast. Proud, very proud of it you got distribution, you paid your investors back. You know, I always go back to what Benzel Burke said of, uh, you know, uh, Burke management. It's like the number one thing you got to do as a director and a filmmaker is pay your investors back. You got to hustle for that. And, and mm-hmm. if you do that, they'll always roll with you because uh, it's kind of like the reason billionaires want to own sports teams. Like there's a bunch of billionaires, but you can be an anonymous billionaire and then you're just sitting there with your money. And what, what, what is that? And it's like, no, if I own a sports team, I'm in this small fraternity. All these other people had to vote me in. And now I'm sort of doing something with the money. And I think film financiers and high net worth individuals feel the same way. They're like, yeah, I'm rich, but it's boring here. Like I've, I've, I've drove every car. I've had every type of Chilean sea bass. Like, let (laughs) me make a movie and let me, let me be part of something bigger than myself. As long as I don't take a bath doing it financially, and so yeah. I think that's I think that's super huge. Todd, we have to we have to do a round two. We have to get you back on. Yep, because this is too sure. short. This, but, is, this um, is awesome. So with with that, Todd, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, find you on the internet, and maybe see some or all of your work?
2: Yeah, for sure. I have like a personal Instagram account. It's private, but you can write me on it and we can be friends. Um, it's just my name at Todd Bogan. <laughs> I don't post that much exciting stuff. I have a, uh, a cat that I love, and I post a lot of her. So if you want to look at that. And then, I, wa- and then at Water Voices Productions, which is my little production company. That was uh, one of the production companies on uh, every one of my movies. <laughs> you can follow that. Um, write me on that. I need to start posting more on that. watervoicesproductions.com Productions dot com or my goes there. Yeah, and just write that email on there. My email's on there. Hello at Water Voices. Um, we'll write you back. In the U.S. and Canada, hidden exposure is on Tubi right now. Um, we're coming out in Germany, CIS, and some other a bunch of other countries. But um, I don't have the specifics yet, but it's coming out this year, in the next few months. Email me if you want, or pay attention to, to, um, to the website.
0: Perfect. And like I mentioned before, you can watch his incredible short Modulation Nowhere on movie and then on Shorts TV as well. And if you are interested in more podcast goodness, more indie film knowledge, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or on Spotify. But we'd really, really love you if you meet us at our new distribution point as of this year, YouTube. So go to YouTube, subscribe to that YouTube page, watch some videos, fall asleep to the warm, soothing sound of Nick's voice, why not just let the videos (laughs) play on automatic while he lulls you to sleep with his deep, (laughs) deep chocolate? And, (laughs) And if you, speaking of Nick, If you want to reach out to him, you can just email him. He's at Nick at bonsai.film. He will get back to you. No question about it. Do you want to reach out to me? You can find me on X, formerly Twitter at flame in your heart. You're as you are. So flame in your heart or just search for Chris Barkley and I will come right up. If you want to reach out to all of us as a company, we're at underscore bonsai creative, or now you can find us at underscore make it podcast on all social. And we will answer 100% of those queries. I guarantee you that. Last but not least, if you want to take a big step in your filmmaking career, go to www.bonsai.film where you can learn more about our marketing and branding services, as well as our bi-weekly newsletter, which is incredible. That's at bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. And it is not one of these aggregated doo-doo cream newsletters where we just take a bunch of stories from IndieWire and Hollywood Reporter and jam them together and serve them back up to you like they're a new meal. No, we don't do that. We find the esoteric. We find the interesting tools, software, opportunities, discounts, festivals, you name it, it's in the newsletter. So make sure you do that at bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. It's not spam. It's free and you will love it. it. Comes out every two weeks. And with that, Nick, can you leave us with the credo?
1: Yeah, man, that was a mouthful. <laughs> you know, yes, was I was over there writing it all down. like, dang, and he's sweating. You need to get a, some, a cup of water, some whiskey or something. <laughs> oh, man, was going. Uh, but before I give the credo, I need to mention something because we were in a conversation earlier and the people that we were talking to didn't realize what that is on my wall back there. So I just got to make sure that people understand mm-hmm. that what that is. Those are Legos, people, you know, in, in some of these conversations mm-hmm. that we've had, I've had to tell people I'm a big Lego aficionado, right? I do Legos. I'm a grown man Mm -hmm. and I love Legos. It is what it is. But all this stuff is Legos back here. And you know, like they have on uh, social, they'd be like, no filter, no set, right? These are not sets. They don't come with instructions. This is just some fun stuff that I do to make myself and the kids happy. So I just want to let y'all know those are Legos. Anyway, <laughs> with that said, to my uh, filmmaking friends, our family, our fans out there, be better, be creative, be engaged.
0: And thank you for listening, Todd. I'll talk to you soon. Nick, I'll talk to you soon as well. Guys, be good. All right.
1: Yep. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you, man. Thank Todd, you. You're
0: awesome. Yep. Appreciate
1: you, you guys. guys. Awesome. Be good. Bye. You've
0: been listening to the Make It podcast. For more information about this episode, please visit our website at www.bonsaifilm. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. In addition, you can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we are trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please consider supporting our Patreon page. We spend a combined 35 hours a week producing each episode. We do this with a small team of go-getters that are passionate about film and connecting people with similar interests across the globe. And we have lots of goodies in store for our supporters, including bonus content, exclusive swag, and discounts and freebies to private film events. If that sounds like something you can get behind, donations start at only $5 monthly. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your film's financial success, go to www.banzai.film and click on services to explore our unrivaled approach to film marketing. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better. Be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.